How many times have we asked the question, where did you get that? You, you might uh, see a, a friend wearing something that you like, and you might ask the question, where did you get that? And if they tell you, then you might go out and actually purchase one for yourself. How many of you have done that? You bought a shirt or something? All right, there we go. Uh, what if, as a joke, your friend bought a vintage Teddy Ruxpin? I don't know if that does anything for you. Does anybody remember Teddy Ruxpin? From the 1980s. All right. You put a cassette tape, and the kids are like, what? A cassette tape in the back of this little teddy bear, and it would end up telling you stories. And they had commercials on. It was actually the number one selling toy in 1985 and 1986. So Teddy Ruxpin was huge. Um, and did anybody have Teddy Ruxpin? <laughs> My wife. <laughs> That's awesome. Why didn't I remember that? All right. Well, you might see a Teddy Rushman that my wife has in our basement. I'm just kidding. She doesn't. But you might see that and say, where did you get that? Where did you get that? And then you might put in an ACDC cassette tape and see Teddy's eyes grow you know, red or something like that. So, Well, grocery stores, they sell chocolate milk and strawberry milk. Um, but True Moo has put out a limited edition vanilla mint, or no, mint vanilla green milk. That, that's peculiar. So if someone brought home this green milk and put it in your, your refrigerator, you might say, where did you get that? All right, how many of you would like to try the mint vanilla green milk? All right, got some adventuresome people here. Where did you get that? We might ask that about a bunch of different things in life. And the Bible presents a situation where people ask that question of Christians. 1 Peter 3.15 talks about being ready to uh, make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have. Where did you get that hope? And that is an open door for the gospel. So let's, let's ask this question. Where do we get faith? Where do we get faith? Where does faith come from? And I want to zero in on just one verse this morning. Romans 10, verse 17. Just one verse. But I want to lay a foundation first. Where does faith come from? And let's ask that question particularly of children. Children. Where do children get faith? The greatest desire a parent should have for their child is for them to possess an alive and active and mature faith in Christ, a maturing faith in Christ. Our church should have the exact same desire for all of our kids. So we all need to know where faith comes from. But let's also think, broader than kids, to our grown Children, our grandchildren, our relatives, our friends, our co-workers, people that are in our sphere of, of influence. Because this message that I'm about ready to preach aimed at children is applicable for all of us. Where does faith come from? Well, before we get into Romans 10, 17, I want to show you quickly that faith is ultimately a gift from God. God gives 
faith. And that point is going to help us interpret Romans 10, verse 17. So listen to what Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. And I've studied this passage before, but I think this week I, I went further into it, and I think it became more clear to me. So this is what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. God saves people by grace, and he does it through, or he does it by means of faith. God is active in verse 8. And if you look closely, I don't think you'll see this in the, in the English as much as you would in the Greek, but faith is a noun, it's not a verb here. So Paul is not talking about us doing something. Instead, Paul's focus is on what God is giving. God is in the active. Paul said, and this is not your own doing, or more literally, and this is not from you all, or this is not out of you all, or by means of you all. This, in verse 8, refers to the Ephesians being saved by grace through faith. So when Paul says that this salvation process, excuse me, is not from the Ephesians, but is a gift of God, it seems like grace and faith included in that salvation are also gifts. It's all gifts. So it is right to say that faith is a gift of God. Salvation, grace, faith, they're all inseparable, and each of those things is a gift, a gift from God. Why did Paul say, not a result of works so that no one may boast? Because faith is not a meritorious work. It's not a meritorious work, but a God-given gift. We believe because God has given us faith. Galatians 5, and 23 uses the same word for faith and says that faith is a fruit of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit produces faith in people. Here's another one. Philippians 1.29 says, For it has been granted, or you could say it has been given to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him. And we'll just stop right there. That right there shows that belief in Christ is granted. Belief in Christ is given to the Philippians. So where does faith come from? Faith comes from God. God gives faith. And with that in mind, consider our key verse for this morning. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And I want us all to say that together three times. All right, follow my lead. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If faith comes from God, then why does Romans 10, 17 say faith comes from hearing? Well, God gives people faith and saves them through their hearing the gospel. Because the gospel, as scripture tells us, is the power of God for salvation to those who believe. 
For everyone who believes, listen to what Paul said a few verses before Romans 10, 17, verses 13 and 14. Jeff read it for us. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now put the pieces together. God uses preaching to make people hear the gospel and gives them faith through preaching so they believe, so they call out to God, and so they are saved. And God does more. Through preaching, he builds up faith. He gives it and he strengthens it and builds it up. All from preaching, faith comes from hearing. And if you think about what you currently know, all the things that you know, maybe not all of them, you know, you learn how to walk not by instruction per se, but a lot of what you know, the majority of what you know, you have heard probably over and over and over again. All right. The Lord's Prayer, the doxology, amazing grace, your own name, all of these things we've heard over and over and over again, and it's probably just become second nature for us. Do you know how absolutely important it is for us to hear the word of Christ? Proclaimed, preached. Let's say Romans 10, 17 again. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That one sentence can completely transform your parenting. In fact, it can transform the way that you do life. Faith comes from God, and God uses the preaching of the word of Christ to dispense his power unto salvation. And I take the word of Christ to mean everything Jesus is, everything Jesus said, and every word of scripture which Jesus authenticates, and he authenticates all of it. Essentially, the word of Christ refers to the news of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet I take it to mean more fully all of Scripture, really, because the entire Bible is truth pointing to the person and work of Jesus Christ. All of Scripture explains the person and work of Christ. So all of Scripture reveals for us the supremacy of Christ and his work of redemption. Even though some passages of that are more explicit, more to the point, perhaps, like the Gospels. So faith comes from hearing how all of Scripture, especially the explicit sections of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, explains the person and, uh, and work of Christ. So here's how we take that and we apply it to kids and training children who we intensely love. Um, if it is important to you that your children, young or old, have genuine and mature faith in Christ, are truly saved, and therefore live for Christ alone, then let them regularly hear the word of Christ from you and other people. I'm, I'm putting the emphasis on you there and other people secondary, others. So if it is important to you that your child, young or old, 
has a genuine saving faith and actually knows the Lord Jesus Christ, then let them hear the word of Christ from you and others as often as possible because faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. What have your kids heard from you over and over and over again? Well, I had to ask my kids that question. So I did, and uh, here's what I say over and over. Don't fool around. Uh, lock the door. Do you want to come along to the football game? And by that, we mean the Barons football game. All right. But during our conversation with my kids, they basically got all three of the main things that I want to say to them and that I want to get through from them. And here are those three important things. And through our conversation, they got these. They, they knew that I said it. Number one, I love you. Maria, you nailed that one. Do you remember? All right. Second, I'm proud of you. Not because of what you do, but because you are my son or daughter and God gave you to me as a gift. Jeremiah nailed that one. Remember that, buddy? All right. Number three, Christ. Christ, who he is and what he's done. Peter, you hit that one. Do you remember? You said Jesus. And that I was happy to hear my son say that. Peter nailed it. Now, my kids have heard me say some other very bad things. I have complained. I have gossiped. I have mocked people, I have spouted off, and many more terrible things. But I tell you, I am absolutely determined that throughout their lives, I am going to communicate those three things. I'm going to get the message through loud and clear. And Dad's not just going to talk it. I think because of God's grace at work in me and because of the Spirit's leading in my life that I am showing as well my kids those three things. I'm not just telling them that, I'm showing them that, and it's working together. What are your children hearing all the time from you? Loud and clear, the message is coming through because you've said it a million times. What are they hearing? Well, I challenge you to ask them. Even if you're older, ask them, what have you heard me say throughout life? What's, what's the dominant message? And see what they say. And if you want them to hear the word of Christ from you, you must be nothing short of relentless in explaining Christ to them. You, you cannot give faith to your kids. You can't. It's not up to you to do that. Only God can give faith. But here's what you can control. You can control whether they hear the word of Christ because you control how much you tell them the word of Christ. And you can control a lot, not all, but a lot of what other people are speaking truth into their lives. Don't settle for silent. Don't settle for irregular. Don't settle for periodic. Aim for relentless. Only relentlessness will do. Why? Let's say it again. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's why. That right there. It's very easy to understand. Here are three applications of this one simple verse that I hope help you 
And notice I said that I hope it helps you. The aim is not to discourage you or beat you down. The aim is to build you up, to equip you, to inspire you. And please hear me when I say that my ultimate goal in preaching this is not you walking away here feeling guilty. Now, maybe you need to feel guilty. Maybe God needs to convict you because you have not been faithful at what I'm about ready to say. So maybe guilt will be a good thing, but that is not the end goal of what I'm doing. My objective is so much more than guilt, way more than guilt. It's to help you understand the urgency, the seriousness of your distinct role in teaching and explaining the word of Christ to your kids and to encourage you in that, to build you up in that, to inspire you in that so that you're more faithful, so that you're better parents, better people, and that you can honor God more in this way. Guilt is a terrible end goal. We should not be shooting for guilt because there's someone who has taken our guilt, amen? And his name is Jesus. So our, our goal is not guilt. Christ is the end goal, and he is why the message that I am preaching is so urgent and so important. Christ. This is meant to strengthen you to do the all-important task of discipling your children into spiritual maturity. Our aim as parents is not for our kids to intellectually believe in God. That's not the end goal. Our aim is that they give their life to admiring and loving and serving Christ. So let me help, let me help you apply Romans 10, 17. And these applications work again for all of us. This is not just to, to parents of young kids. If you don't have kids at home, okay, all this applies to you. Uh, and your grown kids or grandkids or relatives, friends, coworkers, no one should tune this out. So we want our kids and others to, number one, hear it from us at home. Number two, hear it from others in church. And number three, hear it from others in life. Home, church, life. Let's walk through these. Number one, hear it from us at home. The word preaching in Romans 10, 14 and plenty of other places in scripture refers to the public declaration of the gospel, a public proclamation, what we're doing right now. But another way to understand preaching is to simply proclaim the gospel to someone with the intent of persuading them or urging them or warning them in some way. I'm not sure that preaching just applies exclusively to what I'm doing here. We can proclaim the word of Christ in our homes as well. Parents should be preachers to their children at home so that their children can hear. hear. And if our ch children are going to have an alive, active, and maturing faith, they should hear the word of Christ constantly proclaimed and preached at home from parents, from siblings, from extended family, from friends that are visiting. The word of Christ should be the theme streaming throughout all of conversation and communication at home. And just to put you all at ease, no, I don't believe Jesus has to be mentioned in every single sentence. But Jesus should be the theme, should be the essence streaming through every single word. Every single syllable should be for the glory of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you maybe a tough question. Do your children hear you explain the Bible to them throughout the week? 
Do they hear scripture so much that it is actually becoming ingrained in their thought patterns? You see, we don't want them being able to reference John 3.16 and that's about it. We want a complete takeover and seizure of their minds from scripture. We want them so flooded with scripture that that's what's coming out. That's how they think. And for that to happen and for faith to be created in them, they must hear it often. Oh, that our homes would be continual broadcast studios streaming the gospel live throughout all of life. And parents, we have like maybe 18 years, maybe to completely indoctrinate our children in Christ. And hopefully by grace, God will plant his word so deeply within our kids that it produces much fruit in their life. That's what we hope happens. Have you heard the phrase, more is caught than taught? More is caught than taught. All right. You know what? I think there's some truth to that, but I think that's a stupid statement. Because, let me explain myself here. There is truth to it, but it is an extremely dangerous quote because it downplays the importance of hearing. Hearing, it downplays it of teaching and hearing truth, which Romans 10, 17 happens to say is the essential element of faith that would produce faith. So maybe this is a better way to put it. I don't know. It's all I, it's all I had. Most is got when caught and taught. Now, maybe that's not doing anything for you, but most is got when caught and taught. Living out God's word and teaching God's word are equally important and they're inseparable. You should not have one without the other. If you want, please listen to the statement. I worked hard on this. If you want to lead your children away from Christ and direct them towards eternity in hell, live as a moral person. Live a moral life, but never thoroughly explain for them the why or the how. Never make the connection between morality and the gospel. Never teach them that our identity in Christ drives our joyful obedience to Christ. See, parents, you have to explain the gospel to your kids. Carefully explain the gospel to your kids so that they know why and they know how we are to live for Christ alone. Otherwise, our kids will not know. They will not make that connection. They will be deceived into thinking that the whole thing of Christianity is about being a good person, and you will have led them into that direction. Not only is, is living just to be a good person a horrendous burden for us to bear, but it teaches pride, it teaches self-dependence, it teaches legalism, which all condemn our kids. Never, ever, ever assume the gospel. Never assume that your kids made the connection. You must teach them to make the connection between gospel and life. Don't be moral and then completely miss teaching them and explaining how people are a new creation in Christ. Jesus and how we are then motivated to obey Christ more and more as the Holy Spirit is living in us and leading us to follow Christ. 
They need to hear it. Faith comes from hearing. Now, what happens when kids grow up not frequently hearing the word of Christ at home? And I put that frequently hearing because some parents would be like, my kids hear it. Yeah, you told them five times. I mean frequently throughout your life. Why, why are some of those kids who didn't hear God frequently growing up to leave the church? Because it's happening, friends. And these might be church-going moral homes. Let me, let me share 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. This is what happens, I think. For the time is coming, maybe when they're 13, maybe when they're 18, maybe when they're 25, when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You see that happening all the time. People go to college, these kids who grow up in a church, they go and hear some professor, and since it's not rooted, since they haven't heard it their whole life, they say, oh, that sounds pretty good. And they accumulate people who just tell them what they want to hear and they can fuel their, their many sinful desires unto destruction. I believe that a major reason, not the only reason, there are even maybe higher reasons, but this is among a, this is a major reason why so many kids grow up to reject Christ, leave the church, and live for themselves, is their parents were moral, church-going folk who failed to carefully and diligently preach Christ at home. Sure, their parents told them a lot of great things to do, a lot of great moral things, but you see, they never showed them from all of Scripture why Jesus Christ is more amazing, more beautiful, more powerful than anything they'll ever encounter in their life, and why following Him with all of their heart, all of their soul, all of their mind, all of their strength is the only rational and sane and amazing way to live your life. The supremacy of Christ was largely gone in their homes. That's why. Not the ultimate reason, but a, a big one. You see, faith comes from hearing. And if you want your kids or anyone really to have true legitimate saving faith, then you need to make sure that they are hearing over and over and over, hearing as much scripture, hearing as much Jesus, have having it all tie back to life as possible. Most is got when caught and taught. We want our kids and others to, number two, hear it from others in church. Every Sunday, the word of Christ is proclaimed publicly in faithful churches around Lancaster County and around the world. The public proclamation of the gospel, just like I'm doing right now, is absolutely essential to produce bold faith in kids and adults. Children need to grow up in a church where they hear the gospel expounded over and over and over and over again, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday throughout their lives. They need a church which gives them a steady diet of biblical preaching, which makes strong and enduring saints. Not a church which preaches morality, not a church that adds things to the gospel, but a church that preaches and teaches and lives justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, and all coming straight through Scripture alone. Dr. Robert Mounts, he said this, quote, All effective preaching is accomplished by God himself. The messenger is at best. Merely the instrument used by the Holy Spirit as a necessary part of the process. 
It is God's own voice that confronts the sinner and offers reconciliation. Amen. Oh, I want that. What do you think preaching is? What do you think it is? Is it just some guy getting up and telling a few funny stories and jokes, talking for a while, a few helpful little quippy things that you can take into your week? No. Preaching is God speaking through the preacher. We want children in our worship services. This is so countercultural what I'm saying. So none of you have thrown anything yet, but that's good. We want children in our worship services so they too can hear and enjoy God's voice. God speaking to them. Kids may not understand all of preaching. Neither do adults. Neither do I, and I'm saying it. But they can understand a good bit of preaching. Kids can hear God, and he can build their faith into a rock of steadfastness through preaching. Many churches, this is so interesting, purposefully cut their kids off from preaching. They separate them out. They cut them off from God's voice. They pull kids out of the service and entertain them with um, all kinds of truthful things. And each Sunday, those precious kids are not hearing good and life-changing preaching. Preaching is different than a video. Preaching is different than a short lesson or a flannel graph, as good as those things can be. Preaching is God speaking, and our children need to hear God. Every Sunday, when I or another man ascends to the pulpit to faithfully proclaim God's word, God is speaking and faith is being built. And hopefully faith is being created at that moment through preaching. You see why it's so important who we have preaching the word? Kids need a steady diet of good preaching to have faith. In addition to preaching, we need expository teaching in our Sunday school program. So our kids and everyone else hear the word of Christ. The elders have chosen the gospel project. We're going to be in that for years. And it's a way to help encourage teachers and to help our entire church to embed the gospel deep within our kids. And we're going to show it to, we're going to show them the word of Christ throughout all of Scripture so that it drives deeper and deeper into their soul, so that faith is created and faith is strengthened. You don't even need to be a teacher. Let me ask you this. Older people, what younger person have you brought under your wing that you're just preaching and proclaiming Christ into their life? A quick word about inviting people to church. Curious, how many of you, the first exposure or whatever, you were invited to Jerusalem church by someone and now you're coming? You were invited. Okay, a few of you, a few of you. Okay, we should invite tons of people to our church. And for this reason, we want them to hear the word of Christ so that if God so pleases, they are given an alive, active, and growing faith in Christ. About 40 uh, minutes of our service is devoted to preaching. Why? Because, let's say it together, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So 
it is likely that your children will not see the power and beauty of preaching if you don't see the power and beauty of preaching. And you don't explain for them the role that preaching plays in their life. And make sure that they hear good preaching. You have control over that, parents. Don't buy the lie that I can't. No, no, no. If they're in your house living under your roof, I don't care if they're 48. You have control. Here's how. Well, if you don't like it, you could move out. All right. So you got it. You got control. There we go. You don't have to teach your kids how to enjoy entertainment. Entertainment appeals to their flesh. They're naturally drawn to it. But you see, preaching appeals to the spirit. And if you want your kids to like get it, you're going to have to train that into them and pray that the spirit moves so that they actually want preaching. They want to hear the word of Christ. Lastly, all right, we want our kids and others to number three, hear it from others in life. From what other adults are our children hearing the word of Christ? Now, I am so very glad to be your pastor. I love being your pastor. I'm so glad to be involved with your family's lives, to be preaching truth to you into your kids' lives, to have hopefully conversations uh, on Sunday outside of just preaching. And I'm glad that they can know their pastor at Jerusalem Church loves them, and he loves them primarily by preaching the truth to them. And so I'm glad that that's the case with our church. But what other significant adults are feeding into your kids outside of the church? In addition to you, what dynamic Christian adults are preaching Christ to your kids outside of the church? I, outside of the church, I could probably just keep going about people that are involved in my kids' lives that want them to know Christ. What about you? We need to make sure that this happens. We have a lot of control over who influences our kids. Don't believe the lie that you don't. You do. If you are a parent, you have control over who influences your kids. Certainly not total control, but a lot of control. And we need to make sure that mature Christian adults, young and old, are around and feeding into our kids from all different angles. Your kids may not seek out godly adults on their own. So you need to come alongside of them as your rightful role as parent and help them connect to those who will strengthen their faith and make sure that it happens. So as I bring it for a close, let me try this analogy that hopefully is helpful to you. When you plant a garden, some of you probably have wonderful gardens. Ours was a mess this year. The weeds just came in like a rebel force and destroyed. We just were lazy about it. But anyway, there is no guarantee that your garden is going to produce amazing fruits and vegetables. There's no guarantee about that. But if you wisely cultivate the soil and if you expose those, uh, those plants to appropriate sunlight and appropriate water and you really care for your plants doing what you need to do to, to take care of them, most likely you will see some wonderful, tasty fruits and vegetables. All right. Listen close to this. You cannot guarantee that your kids will have a genuine and enduring faith in Christ. You can, That is not on you. You cannot bear that weight because God gives faith. So don't put that pressure on yourself. Be free of it. Be free of it. But you can absolutely cultivate an environment 
where your kids can flourish spiritually. You create that. You create it. You are responsible for a word-saturated, Christ-saturated, Bible-saturated environment. Make sure that the light of God's word is shining every day on your children and make sure that the, the delicious water that makes them grow is right there for them just to drink up in huge amounts so that they can be fed and grow. Care for their hearts, care for their souls, care for their, their spirits and their minds, and you have to nurture them so that they hear the word over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and that that, by God's grace, will hopefully lead to an alive and active and mature faith in Christ. Trust God to use your effort to produce faith in your kids. Now, to help you apply this, because I haven't really told you how, I've created a little sheet in your bulletins. It's called For Home Discussion. I, I want you to keep those and to talk about that as a family, even talk about it with your friends. Hey, what do you think about this? And on that sheet, I have listed out at the bottom 19, if I've counted correctly, 19 different ways that you can apply this a little bit more in your families. So maybe you just look at that sheet and you say, 19, wow, Jonathan, you've really overwhelmed us. We can't do these things. Pick one, pick two, pick three, and start to, to carry those things out in your home. And I hope that by this simple message of encouragement and by these applications, that God will use those to be more faithful with your kids, whether they're young or old, be more faithful with those in the community, to have them here, 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 that word of Christ so that faith may be created and built 